Yes, hello, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to another episode of the I'm Just Saying Podcast. I'm your host, Jared Dawkins. I hope all of you out there in the world are taking good care of yourselves and being safe during this pandemic. And I hope all of you out there are making good, smart, careful decisions. Ladies and gentlemen, I hope all of you out there have been well and have been safe. I know the NFL season has started and the first two weeks have been absolutely phenomenal. And I'm going to catch up with you guys on that as soon as I possibly can, but I want to talk about a few things that have taken place recently over the last couple of months and things of that nature, and one of those things that has taken place recently over the last couple of last couple of weeks and has kind of had a had a cap put on it was the Brooklyn Nets and Kevin Durant situation. As we all know, Kevin Durant requested a trade around back probably around around back towards the beginning of July, middle point of July, and he requested a trade from the Brooklyn Nets, and that led to, okay, where could Kevin Durant possibly go? Could he go to Phoenix? Could he go to L.A.? Could he possibly end up in Toronto? Could he possibly end up with the Boston Celtics or whatever the case may be? And then that led to stories about Kyrie probably being traded as well. Well, at the end of the day, as we all know, Kevin Durant met with owner Joe Sy and head coach Steve Nash, and they met the, and they all met together in Los Angeles, and they ultimately came to an agreement that it would be best for Kevin Durant to stay with the Brooklyn Nets. And here's why, well, First, before I say why I believe Brooklyn won this in such this entire situation with Kevin Durant and the Brooklyn Nets going back and forth, I'm going to give you guys the statement that General Manager Sean Marks put out after Kevin Durant and the Brooklyn Nets both came to an agreement that Kevin uh, that that is best that Kevin Durant stay in Brooklyn. This is what General Manager Sean Marks said. He said, "Quote: Steve Nash and I, together with Josiah and and Claire and, and Clara Wu Sai, met with Kevin Durant and Rich Kleiman in Los Angeles yesterday. We have agreed to move forward with our partnership. We are focusing on basketball with one collective goal in mind: build a lasting franchise to bring a championship to Brooklyn." So. With that being said, in my opinion, Brooklyn won this entire situation between them and Kevin Durant. And I say they won it for this specific reason. They won that situation because they knew, Brooklyn knew, that with the Rudy Gobert trade that took, that, that took place and with Minnesota giving up what they gave up, they Brooklyn knew that, it's that, that they were going to get an even bigger haul for Kevin Durant. But they knew that teams around the league weren't going to be willing to give that up for a guy in Kevin Durant who, as talented as Kevin Durant is, he's injury prone, and you don't know that if you trade it, that if you trade for him, you don't really know if he's going to stay with you past the time that you traded for him. So Brooklyn knew that they asked for a haul when they knew they really weren't going to get a historic haul for Kevin Durant anyway. So. Kevin Durant's best bet at that moment and at this current time is to stay in Brooklyn. Now there's still a chance that Kyrie possibly could get that's there's still a chance that Kyrie could possibly still get traded as well. But at the end of the day, 
this was mainly about Kevin Durant. At some point, at some point, in my opinion, I think Kyrie is going to end up leaving. But for right now, this was mainly and solely about KD. And Brooklyn won this situation because they know, they and they've known all along that no team was going to mortgage their future for Kevin Durant to try to win a championship right now. Phoenix wasn't going to do it. Boston definitely wasn't going to do it. And Boston got to the finals without Kevin Durant. Golden State, there was talk about him going back to Golden State. And Steph Curry just came out recently and said that that Golden State discussed bringing Kevin Durant back, but ultimately they don't need Kevin Durant. So you had teams like Phoenix and Miami and Boston and Golden State, teams out there that weren't going to mortgage what they had at the moment to try to win a championship or to try to continue to get to the NBA Finals and win championships, they weren't going to try to they weren't going to try to ruin that and mortgage that just to get Kevin Durant for one year and then have him possibly leave. So ultimately, at the end of the day, Brooklyn won this situation. They won this situation because they knew ultimately, at the end of the day, they were going to ultimately get what they wanted, and that was Kevin Durant coming back to the Brooklyn Nets realizing that you know what my best bet is to stay here for now and whenever my contract is up if I'm if I if I if I'm still playing at an elite level then I can leave but until then Brooklyn's not going to trade Kevin Durant unless Kevin Durant just completely just bombs out performance wise which is not going to happen or he just or he just acts just just out of character, just so out of character off the court that Brooklyn just gets tired of it and doesn't want to deal with it anymore. So all, so all in all, Brooklyn won this situation with Kevin Durant. And at the end of the day, I kind of see why Brooklyn won the situation and won it in the manner in which they won it. But next up, ladies and gentlemen, I want to talk about I want to talk about college football, and as we all know, teams from certain conferences are going to other conferences, and this whole thing kind of started with Texas and Oklahoma eventually leaving the Big 12 to go to the SEC in a couple of years. Then you had USC and UCLA eventually leaving the Pac-12 to go to the Big 10 in a couple of years. Now there's talk about the Oregon Ducks possibly leaving the Pac-12 to e- to either go to the Big Ten or go to the Big 12, mainly to the Big Ten. According to a report from DraftKings Nation, this is what the report says. Report, Oregon initiates preliminary contact with Big Ten. Brett McMurphy from ESPN says Oregon has initiated preliminary discussions in Chicago with Big Ten to determine if Ducks are compatible in in the Big Ten. Sources told Action Network, Action Network HQ, Big Ten not done expanding. Sources told Action Network HQ last week. So, honestly, here's my thought about the Oregon Ducks. Going to the um, possibly going to the Big Ten, 
and leaving the Pac-12. You've already had UCLA and USC eventually leaving. That's that's those are pretty much the faces of the Pac-12 at that point. Those are the pillars of the Pac-12. The faces of the Pac-12 used to be Pac-10, now Pac-12. If Oregon leaves and goes to either say the Big 12, or they go to the Big 10, or whatever the case may be, or say they go to the Mountain West, or whatever the case may be, or or better yet, maybe they go to the ACC. If Oregon leaves the Pac-12, just like UCLA and USC are going to do in a couple of years, the Pac-12 is officially going to be dead at that point. You can put the nails in their coffin. The Pac-12 will be dead. Because you're not, because with that conference, you're not going to have UCLA, you're not going to have USC, and you're not going to have Oregon. Three major programs in your conference that are the faces and the pillars and the backbones of that conference. They're no longer going to be there anymore, which means that more than likely, the Pac-12 is going to have to disband, just like the Big East did back in back in the late to mid or the mid to late 2000s, when teams like West when teams like West Virginia left to go to the Big 12, Boston College and Virginia Tech and Miami all left to go to the ACC. Once those faces and pillars and just powerhouse programs in your conference leave, the rest of your conference after that is dead. So in my opinion, if Oregon does leave, which it seems like they're probably going to do, then the Pac-12 is officially history and they're going to disband just like the Big East did when West Virginia left, when Boston College left, when Virginia Tech left, and when Miami left. So the Pac-12 better get ready because UCLA is leaving, USC is leaving, and Oregon's on their way out too. So at the end of the day, you know, you know, at the end of the day, it's not just about leaving a conference to go to a better conference so that you can play in bigger games on television. It's not it's not really about that. It's mainly about this is mainly about money at this point. It's about money, it's about TV deals or whatever the case may be. That's what this is about. Yes, Oregon, if Oregon goes to the Big Ten, they're going to face USC. They're going to face Penn State. They're going to face your Ohio States. They're going to face your Michigan States. They're going to face your Michigans. And you're going to get those games on primetime TV. But this move is solely about money and about TV deals and getting a bigger stage for Oregon outside of being on Pac-12 After Dark on ESPN or on a Saturday night at 10 o'clock at night facing Arizona. So just just throwing that thought out there. Oregon leaving, Oregon leaving the, the, the Pac-12 potentially to go to the Big Ten, it's a big deal and it makes a lot of sense for Oregon on Oregon's part. All right, but coming up next, ladies and gentlemen, I'm going to tell you guys why the Los Angeles Lakers trading for Patrick Beverly could spell the end for Russell Westbrook in Los Angeles. That's coming up. Stay tuned. All right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the show. All right, ladies and gentlemen, as we all know, the Los Angeles Lakers made a trade for a veteran point guard in Patrick Beverly, and 
the Lakers traded for Patrick Beverly from the Utah Jazz. The Utah Jazz got back Taylor Horton Tucker and Stanley Johnson in exchange for Patrick Beverly. And this is, and, and as far as what the Lakers did when the Lakers officially made the trade, they put out on Twitter, they said, quote, we are thrilled to add Patrick Beverly's toughness and competitive spirit to our team, end quote. That's from Rob Palenka. And this is what Patrick Beverly said on Twitter. Woke up a Laker. It's on. And here, honestly, here's my thought about Patrick Beverly being a Los Angeles Laker. In my opinion, I think it's a smart move on the Lakers' part because they need somebody who can who can defend and who can hit the three on occasion when they really, really need them to. Patrick Beverly can do that. Russell we- and uh, um, Patrick Beverly can defend. He can hit the three on occasion when you need him to. He's not always consistent with him, but he can hit the three when you need him to. He can defend. He has that dog. He has that toughness, and he has that, that attitude about him that you need and that the Lakers need right now on that roster. Here's why I believe it spelled the end for Russell Westbrook in Los Angeles. Russell Westbrook and Patrick Beverly have a history of not getting along. I saw a snippet of an interview that Patrick Beverly did after he became a Laker a few weeks ago. I'm pretty sure all of you saw it, and I saw it too. And you can see before Patrick Beverly went to go talk to the media, you can see that Patrick Beverly and Russell Westbrook, they kind of dapped each other up, gave each other a hug. At the end of the day, it's all honeymoon-ish right now with Russell Westbrook and Patrick Beverly. They're getting along. But at the end of the day, I truly believe, and guys like Colin Cowherd have said this, and I've been thinking it for the minute I saw, the minute I saw Russell, the minute I saw the Lakers trade for Patrick Beverly, immediately in my mind, I, I immediately thought this. And, got, and guys like Colin Cowherd and Nick Wright and other guys like that, Said, said exactly what I was thinking. The moment that the that the Los Angeles Lakers traded for Patrick Beverly, immediately in my mind, I'm thinking, you still got Russell Westbrook on this roster. It's not going to work. Patrick Beverly and Russell Westbrook will not get along. At some point, they're going to butt heads. And... At some point, the Lakers are going to have to move on from Russell Westbrook. Russell Westbrook has proven that it's just it just is not working in Los Angeles with them. It's just not working with them. It's not. And so you go and you trade for a guy in Patrick Beverly who you know Russell Westbrook has a history with, but you trade for him anyway. I believe the Lakers trading trading for Patrick Beverly is the Lakers' way of eventually coming up with a bigger move to eventually trade Russell Westbrook. That's that's what I honestly believe. And when I was thinking that, right when I was thinking that, uh, like I said before, guys like Colin Cowherd threw that same thought out there. And I'm still having, and, and me personally, I'm still having that thought even now. 
I just do not see, I honestly do not see how Russell Westbrook and Patrick Beverly remain on the Los Angeles Lakers for the entirety of the 2022-2023 season. I just don't see it. I just don't see how they make that happen. I could be wrong, but I just I just don't know how they can make that work. I just I just don't. Now, I could totally be proven wrong. And Russell Westbrook and Patrick Beverly could be really, really good teammates. And Russell's Russell's relentless uh relentless just 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 relentless energy and his ability to just play a hundred miles an hour to go alongside Patrick Beverly's tenaciousness, his edge, his dog, and his ability to play defense and shoot the three. That that may uh, that may do wonders for the Lakers. That may actually benefit the Lakers. But at the end of the day, it's gonna come down to okay, you can't have both of these guys on the court at the same time. One of them, one of them's gonna have to come off the bench. And it's going to get to a point where are you going to have to bring Russell off the bench? Because in my opinion, I think that's where Russell Westbrook is is at in his career. I think Russell Westbrook is at a point in his career where he needs to come off the bench. He's going to have to come off the bench. So that's the kind of battle that the Lakers are in at this point. Okay, At some point, they're going to probably have to trade Russell Westbrook, but for now... If they keep him, you're not going to have Patrick Beverly and Russell Westbrook both on the floor at the same time. That's that's just that's not going to work. That's not going to work. So one of them's going to have to come off the bench. It's either going to be Patrick or it's going to be Russell. And that's the dilemma that the Lakers have right now. Well, that's the that's the dilemma that Darvin Ham is going to probably go into the season with, and I'm pretty sure Darvin Ham is going to probably figure it out as best as he possibly can. But that but that's that's something that people go, people are going to have to pay attention to. So, you know, and then the other thing about it is both guys really can't shoot consistently like that. So. That's just that's just something that's just something to think about at the end of the day. But coming up next, ladies and gentlemen, you know what time it is. It's gonna be time for me to leave you with something to think about. Stay tuned. All right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the show. You know what time it is. It's time for me to leave you with something to think about. The year nineteen eighty six. Why do I bring up the year nineteen eighty six eighty six? Because that is the year that the late great Lynn Biased who played at the University of Maryland and was projected to be a star in the NBA, passed away. He passed away in June of 1986, and this was before he was actually expected to be drafted in the NBA. And as we all know, Len Bias was one of the best players in college basketball history, and he was projected to be drafted by the Boston Celtics. And tragically, before that could ever happen, before he could ever step on an NBA court, he passed away. And so my question to you guys is this. What if, what if the late, great Lynn Bias, what if Lynn Bias had never passed away? What if Lynn Bias had been able to, to remain alive 
and play in the NBA? And what if he was drafted by the Boston Celtics? How how would Len Bias' career have gone? How many points would he have scored a game? How many All-Star games would he have played in? Would Len Bias have been able to match up in the NBA against against guys like Hakeem Olajuwon, against guys like Magic, or whatever the case may be? How would Len Bias' career have gone? How many championships could he possibly have won? What what other player could you have paired Len Bias with during that time to create a duo like the Houston Rockets had with Ralph Sampson and Akeem Olajuwon? What if Len Bias had never passed away, and he was at, and he actually and he actually was drafted by the Boston Celtics? How would his career have gone had he never tragically passed away? That's why we and we will never know the answer to that, unfortunately, and it sucks that we never got a chance to know the answer to that question, but that's why this is what if. Thank you for tuning in, ladies and gentlemen, to another episode of the I'm Just Saying podcast. I'm your host, Jared Dawkins. I thank you all so much for listening. Thank you. Thank you so much for tuning in. Um, I will try to get more episodes out to you guys as soon as I possibly can. Um, I really appreciate you. Thank you all for listening. If you would like to follow me on social media, you can follow me on Instagram, on Instagram at quietsoul24, lowercase q-u-i-e-t, lowercase s-o-u-l 24. You can follow me on Facebook at Jared Dawkins, J-A-R-E-D. Dawkins, D-A-W-K-I-N-S. And if you would like to send me any sports-related topic questions, you can send them to my email at jdawkins24 at yahoo.com. Thank you all for listening. I really appreciate you. I'm out. Peace.